Well, welcome everybody to uh, another episode of Scale by Numbers. Uh, I am very excited to have Craig Zingerlein with us this week. Um, Craig, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much, James, for having me on today. Pleasure to uh, be here um, and, and really love what you are up to with your software stack uh, and, uh, and what you're building here. So thanks. Um, yeah, a little bit about myself. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Um, I actually started my career as a software engineer and I realized relatively quickly that I was never going to be the best software engineer. So I did what all bad software engineers do and got into product management uh, and product strategy and built dozens and dozens of products for um, mostly early stage to mid stage startups and then a lot of nonprofit work. Um, I actually spun up my own agency and then ran a, a larger agency and grew that. Uh, that ended up selling. Um, and then in about 2012, after having gone through multiple cycles of kind of building stuff for other people, I really got back to uh, a focus around um, orienting my career towards product development through having startups of my own. And so um, that's really where I've been involved with kind of building up things from, you know, from basically from scratch. Uh, the past, I would say, three years or so, I started to shift my focus from uh, the product development life cycle to actually customer acquisition and, and you know all the stuff that happens after you build and launch something. And, um, and I, I've gotten to this interesting intersection um, where professionally for really actually probably the last six or seven years at this point, um, having to be in a scenario where I'm both responsible for a lot of what's being built, but then also responsible for um, getting people into experience value of whatever's built. And through that process, I realized that there really, um, there really was not a standard playbook or anything that amounted to even a set of strategies or frameworks that founders could use to handle all of those things that they were gonna encounter during different stages of growth. Uh, and, and what I'm actually currently working on now is a, is a company called Growth University where I'm running cohort-based programs, uh, really teaching founders how to um, go after customers in a holistic way and, and do all of the things that companies need to do to basically get to problem solution fit, product market fit, and then scale. And so I've got programs that kind of are focused on, on each of those, but it's been a long winding pathway. Um, and, uh, you know, leading up to this, I had uh, about 150 or so conversations with founders that really, you know, told me, gave me the signal that there was a huge need in the market for this stuff. And, and that's where I am today. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. Um, and, and I know, you know, we, we met, it must be three or four years ago. Um, I think it was at the, the scale conference that yes. Jason Calacana set, sets up every year. I love year. that conference. Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, I, I just remember sitting at the bar somewhere for lunch and, and, and you came and sat next to me. We were just chatting and then, you know, this uh, opportunity or growth university popped up in my inbox and I said, hey, I, I remember Craig and, you know, signed up for it. And, and yeah, it was it was really great. Um, and, and I've only gone through the first course, uh, but maybe you can talk a little bit about, um, you know, kind of your master course, but then also you're adding on a lot of different things and, and kind of the progression and your thinking towards why, why there's a need for even more. Yeah. So, you know, it is kind of a personal story there where I, I had experienced startup life um, pretty much at every stage of the journey. So I had built things from scratch 
for other people and had to figure out how do you go from zero to one to find customers. I had built companies from scratch on my own and I've, I went through that same process. I came in midway in a growth stage uh, at different startups where now I'm, I'm running product and acquisition, but there's already an existing customer base, so we're growing that. And then I've also been involved at the scale stage where I've come in uh, most recently um, Sandbox and then Upside Travel before that where we had I mean, millions of dollars a month budget on, on marketing and I, and I basically ran all of that for, for the startup. And mostly through trial and error, actually, I realized that there are so many gaps in founder knowledge around how to do things, um, not even the ideal way, but even directionally the, the correct way. And what I found was that through conversations and through my own experiences, I bumped up against the same set of failures pretty much at every single startup I was at. And they included things like not understanding what KPIs or metrics were most important, not tracking the right types of metrics, um, not understanding how to go out and find customers, overbuilding products before demand, overbuilding a team before there's enough demand on the product to warrant this bigger team. And then once you start to get into growth mode and, and get into scale, channels become saturated. You hit the ceiling. You can't spend more money and get more customers in. Spend gets less efficient and effective over time. Teams get bigger and, and bloated. And, and there were just so many challenges along the way there that I wanted to take a step back and say, can I actually build um, what started as a first program? So the mastering growth program that, that you actually went through really is kind of that foundational layer. It's mostly meant for startups that have some amount of traction. They've got some customers, but they're trying to get to product market fit. What I realized after running um, a private beta and then three cohorts of that program, and I've put about 125 or so companies through that, was that there's two other elements that really come into play. There's the, there's the zero to one or the cold start challenge where dozens and dozens of founders that I talk to, and I do a lot of mentorship actually with founders through a platform called Growth Mentor. So I'll plug Growth Mentor. Um, I've done 150 something calls with that. And what I realized is that a lot of founders have these startups, but they don't actually know how to get their first, fifth, 10th customer. So I've started building those programs out. And then on the other side of the equation are folks coming out of the Master and Growth program where they're starting to get more and more traction and get organized around growth. How do they then go and 2X, 5X, and 10X that? What does the team look like? What's the, you know, what's the hiring roadmap look like? What from a systems and, and platform standpoint do we need to do? All of a sudden messaging gets different. There's activation strategies, paid acquisition, and all those things that you're gonna have to encounter as you scale. So I also look at it in, in a form of kind of continuous learning for founders. And um, between what I've put together and I've, I've brought in peers uh, in the industry who are subject matter experts that are, uh, that are part of this journey now, helping to produce content that's relevant to founders. And, and really that's the game. Uh, that I'm playing at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I always felt like, you know, with, with my company, I always tell people the hardest area is going from zero to 100,000 in revenue. You know, if you can, if you can get there, then you're off and running. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so that zero to one is, is just so important. Um, you know, and I've, I've, ex I've worked as a CFO for companies with, you know, 1 million in revenue, anywhere up to, you know, 
maybe up to a hundred million and, and they're still struggling with product market fit. You're constantly yeah. looking at churn, why is churn happening? You know, and, and I think as you're raising money at the seed level up to, you know, series D and beyond, you know, every, every board, every VC that's on your board is constantly looking at product market fit. Is it there? Is the traction there? Are you seeing the exponential growth and, and, you know, go, going through your program and just, you know, looking at some of your simple yet very powerful spreadsheets, you know, it, it, it I think it, it illuminates things very well for, for founders. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. What's interesting is you take, take a metric or take even the concept of product market fit. How do you even measure that? So it's this kind of vague concept that a lot of founders don't, they don't even realize that product market fit isn't necessarily a revenue based uh, metric, right? Revenue is always a lagging indicator of, of something else that you're doing. And so when I teach this stuff and when I talk about it, and again, a lot of this came from my own exploration into the space, it's what are the actions that lead to product market fit? When you plot some core user action in a product on a chart, does that, does that chart flatten over time or do your customers just go away over, over a certain amount of time? And so even that concept itself is, I think, misconstrued in a lot of um, kind of public dialogue about product market fit. And so, yeah, what I've tried to do is build these very simple but comprehensive models where founders can take it and they can you know, plug in the spreadsheet, um, they can run the metrics based on what's working for their company. And then they'll get a set of there's inputs and then there's outputs that, that it will produce. And really it's, it's to help them with that ideation um, and that strategy around understanding where, the, where they go based on this data that they now have. Um, and to your earlier point, you know, what's interesting is I agree that the even growth stage startups in the 10 plus million dollar annual revenue range uh, in a lot of ways have a lot of gaps. And so when I look at those particular companies, they've figured out how to get customers, but there's usually a lot of inefficiency. So for example, they might be great at driving leads, but really bad at activation. And they're wondering why the, you know, they're not continuing to grow at 50% month over month growth, like maybe they had for the prior three years. And it's like, well, you haven't really innovated on, on the messaging stack or on your messaging strategy or on your onboarding, or maybe your pricing hasn't evolved to meet the market demands anymore. There's just so many areas there where companies kind of get complacent or get too busy. And, and what I try to do is just bring it back to those kind of first principles. Why do we even have the pricing that we have? What are the metrics that matter and why? And how do we continuously improve and step up our game in terms of like what we're doing from a product and a marketing standpoint? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I spend a lot of time, I, I work primarily with CEOs and board members and with the CEOs, I spend a lot of time educating them on finance. Um, and I read somewhere and I can't remember the person's name, but, but the question they received was, um, what, you know, when do I, when do I outsource something? How do I know I'm hiring the right person? And the answer, the answer was very interesting because you feel like, well, I don't, I know nothing about this. So let me go get the, the, the who, who can do the what. Um, but, but his advice was no first learn how to do it and then you're going to know who to hire so so i feel like you know if you know nothing about marketing and i think a lot of people don't 
I've, I've had quite a long learning phase on, on all things marketing. You know, you want to learn at first before you know who to hire and then how to manage them. I couldn't agree more. And, and this is where I talk about companies getting ahead of themselves, especially companies that have raised some money. It's really dangerous at the angel and seed scale round because what happens is these early stage startups get some capital and then they go hire a bunch of people, but the founders have a core belief that they're going to be able to go find somebody to do all this stuff that in a pre-product market fit world, they don't even know if the stuff that they're working on is the most relevant. So and the most impactful to the business. And, you know, Steve Blank calls it getting out of the building and Eric Rees with the lean, lean startup playbook and, and all that great stuff. It really comes back to a lot of that stuff where as the founder, you really have to understand the end-to-end -end scenario and you can't really outsource that until you get to a point where you are really holding things back. I mean, a great example uh, was, and, and myself, I, I got into marketing because of seeing so many products being built and being on the building side myself, that once you release the product, you expect people to show up and then they don't show up. And then you spend the next three years trying to market the thing that you built. And it turns out the thing that you built wasn't even the right thing for the right mm -hmm. customer at the right time. And so actually a lot of my programs have a product management lens that I, I tend to look through uh, because I've, I've often had that in, in, you know, historically I've been responsible for that. Um, but it's all about basically, understanding the that sequence of growth and understanding you as a founder what are my gaps and weaknesses and and one of the examples i use a lot is is one of my saas platforms we we totally overbuilt we overbuilt a whole set of products based on things that we thought customers wanted and even some customers saying that they they would pay for these things that we were going to build and then we spent a bunch of time building and it turns out when we when we ask them to spend more money, they they had an excuse not to um, because what what we built wasn't actually right. And so I think a lot of times it's um, it's just owning the whole process, and that might mean slightly sl slower growth. And then once you figure out, okay, well, there's some key areas organizationally where I really can go out and hire. Then you hire and you find amazing people, and then you go from there. Um, but that that early early stage. Um, is just so critical uh, to figure out how to build the demand into the model. Um, otherwise, you're going to just, you're going to get left behind. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of my, uh, I've, I've told you this in the past, one, one of my expensive experiences has been doing pay-per-click or AdWords. Um, and and take, having taken a course, understanding it, outsourcing it, because I think, it's better to outsource because you want somebody constantly looking at it. But then using it when either you don't have product market fit yet or it's it's the wrong channel for you. And that's when you realize that, oh, if I had spent, you know, $10,000 on a, on a you know, year-long course at a top university, that would have been 10 times cheaper than what I just spent and wasted on online advertising. It's so interesting. I think about customer acquisition a lot, obviously as a founder and, and just as a growth person in general. And a lot of the guidance that I try to provide people is, is around customer acquisition. And you know that channel product fit or the channel founder fit or even just understanding where to start is hard. Um, and I think people's natural tendency is to always assume that there's, there's demand for what they're putting out there. And the reality is, is that there's really two primary ways that customers will find you. 
number one, they have high intent. And so then they're going to go and search. So where do you play in that space? Search engine optimization and search engine marketing, SEM or pay-per-click, right? But even in those cases, there's nuances. So not every brand and not every solution that you can provide to some kind of problem that somebody might be searching for is scalable at all. So the other side of the coin is low or no intent. And this is where folks don't even know that they have a problem that you've got a solution for. So how do you do that work to actually educate them on the solution that you're putting out there in the world? And, and a lot of startups get started without having any understanding of which of those models is really relevant and applicable to them. And so they naturally go into this cycle of churning through channels without understanding the, 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 the why behind what they're doing or the how behind the persona that's actually going to go seek out their brand if they're even seeking it out. And so, yeah, interestingly enough, this is where I've, I've gotten into this, um, you know, the earlier stage with, with my newer program, which is all around those finding those first 10 customers. And, and it's not like a, it's not a magic elixir. You're not going to necessarily come out of this program and I'm not going to guarantee that you're going to find 10 customers, but what I'm going to challenge you to do is think about what channels might be relevant based on personas that ideally you've talked to and have had customer discovery calls with how do you do customer discovery and then understanding objectively whether or not your audience is high intent or not and that's really the inflection point and now when you start to grow your company you're going to leverage all sorts of channels and you're going to inject your brand in front of people that might be low intent and you're going to be opportunistic with the people that have high intent and you have to do both of those but there is a sequence at which you can think about these things that will save you a bunch of time and a bunch of money. Um, and it's not just like, oh, I do paid acquisition or I don't. It's like, let's figure out what actually is going to work for you and how to even understand whether or not something's working for you. Okay, that's the goal of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. W would you, um, what, I, what I've always found is when you're a starter, when you're a, a beginner, you know, you learn the beginning stuff. When you're a medium ex expert, you know, you want to do like the super expert stuff. And then when you're the super expert, you go back to the beginning stuff because you realize that it's all in the basics. Um, how, how, would, how would you pitch your zero to one course to, you know, people who, who, who have their first 10 customers, maybe they've even had 50 to 100 very, very strong customers to say, hey, you know, you, you might have some gaps here. Yeah, I mean that particular program is is probably a better fit. Uh, that that particular use case is probably a better fit for like the master and growth program or some of the paid acquisition and other. We're we're doing stuff on on how to build content strategy and leverage inbound marketing. Like those are they're strategic, but they're a little bit more tactical in that they'll help you become an expert um, at the channel itself. I think the um, the area around gaps uh, in, in modeling that out, I haven't fully cracked the code yet there in terms of how do you at scale on a one-to-many scenario basis, give founders kind of at that next level of growth, the tools to go and uncover those gaps themselves. Where I think it's going to end is generally where I find the biggest gaps are in the what I'll call like the activation space. So this is, you've got some growth and you've got marketing channels that are working, getting folks into the door, but they're not sticking around or they're never, they're never actually converting. And, and there is a playbook there that you can develop, but 
the challenge with the, you've got 50 customers, how do you get to 100? If you've got 100, how do you get to 1,000 is usually repeatable. That zero to 10 is almost never repeatable. And the 10 to 100 is all over the place. So there's really no one answer there. And, and you know, I'm, I'm discovering that on my own as I'm building out the next year of, of content for my courses. And that's an area of focus, but I don't have that playbook yet. What I can say is on that zero to 10 or the zero to 20, call it, um, it mostly comes down to uh, outreach and experimentation. Um, and so it's really, can you get customers or potential customers on the phone via outbound methods? And how do you do that? And then conversely, can you get people to experience value from your product via inbound? And, and understand that you're not looking for the scalable channel yet. What you're looking for is some indicator that this product or this solution that you've put out into the world actually solves the needs of, of a real human and a user uh, and, a, and a potential buyer. And we try to get to monetization relatively quickly on that. Yeah. Okay. Um, for people who are interested and, and they think, wow, how much does, you know, how, how did you price this? You know, is it bundled? Is it by course? Um, you know, is this going to be too expensive for me? Can I get my, my company to, to sponsor me for a certain amount? How, how did you think through the pricing? And then I guess what, what is, how, how are you making it affordable to, to, to it. everybody? So showing the founder cards here, I, I'm experimenting with pricing and, and with models. Um, I can tell you, maybe I can tell you how, I, how it started and how I got my initial customers, then I'll tell you where we're at today in terms of how we're monetizing. So my first concept here was that this was gonna be an asynchronous course, that I was gonna put all this brilliant content out there because I had all these conversations with founders and then people were just gonna um, just you know flock to my site and pop open their credit card and take this course that I had built and just preview it asynchronously and just do it in their own you know, on their own time. And what I realized is that there, it's a very crowded space when you're, when you're thinking about asynchronous learning, asynchronous content, no community elements and, and a relatively, uh, under the radar founder, um, you know, like myself, I've got a ton of experience, but I have a ton of experience as an operator. So I don't have a huge audience. And so what I realized there was that I had to create a trigger event or a, or a moment in time, a snapshot in time where I really had a compelling reason for somebody to, to spend money on the course. And so that's, that was the first big shift. So I was great at getting people interested in, into my free growth 101 course, but my initial hypothesis around that conversion from that free to paid was entirely wrong. I mean, it was like crickets. I had a few people pay. Um, at the time it was a thousand dollar course and I would do a discount down to 500. And I, so I, I was, I was still trying to figure out what that, what that monetization strategy was, but it was a failure. But what I realized was that the, the few people that took it and all of the dozens and dozens, hundreds of people actually that were getting value from the free program loved the content. So how did I create a moment in time when it gave somebody the excuse to ask their boss for the credit card or to, to actually put in payment? And really that's when I partnered up with Launch and we ran this private beta over the summer. And then the first cohort where we said, we're gonna price this fairly to founders. We're gonna run a timed cohort. We're gonna build up a bunch of demand 
we're going to sell a limited number of seats into the program. Um, and we priced that at $1,000 for, for a seat. And we drove incredible demand. Um, coming out of that program, almost none of the feedback was, hey, this is was too expensive. Some of the feedback was, hey, why isn't this more expensive? And a few people were like, you know, do you have some kind of monthly option? But a lot of the feedback, even out of that first cohort was, hey, I really liked this. My NPS score was really, really high. Um, what more do you have to offer? And it, and I didn't really have an answer at that point. So moving into the second cohort, I realized, okay, there's a cohort of people that want more content. How do I think about pricing that? So the second thing I did was I pulled in an expert on, um, on Facebook and Google advertising, and I ran what I branded at the time as a micro course. And we priced that at $850. So now we had some founders that paid a thousand for the first thing and, and 850 for the other. Again, took a wild guess with pricing. I knew what kind of peer and competitor programs were charging on one side. I knew what colleges charge on, on the you know on the larger scale side. And then there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kind of lone wolves who are out there with their own little micro courses and stuff and, and Udemy and all of these, you know, $9.99 per month or $29 to get my growth course. And I knew that I didn't want to go down that, that rabbit hole. And so I wanted to price it kind of in the middle there. So I got through that iteration. And then what I realized was there was a part of this that that had to be kind of community focused in terms of this continuous learning. And so there's um, there's a couple there's a couple of elements to this, and, and I'll I'll get to the pricing side really quickly here. But the long and the short of it is that the feedback that I got was folks wanted continuous learning. They wanted more programs. They wanted to see from they wanted to see and hear from experts. They didn't want just me, but they wanted me to go deeper and wider into different areas. And um, and what I was realizing with the, the single payment options was that it felt uncomfortable and unnatural to keep going back to these founders to ask them for more, for more money. And so I decided in, I started thinking about this in November and December of 2020. And then in January, um, I was kind of in between cohorts and then really for February and, and now March, I shifted entirely into what I'll call like a pure membership play or pure membership model, where for um, fifteen hundred bucks paid up front, you can participate in any of the programs for the next year, or for one hundred fifty dollars a month, you can just pop in. You still have to apply to the programs, but you can pop in and and experience value from a program and decide if it's right for you. Our retention is really strong. A lot of the founders, when given the choice between paying monthly or paying up front, the ones that pay up front, they're less concerned about cash flow and things like that. So they just pay and they get it over with and then they experience value for the year. And the rest of them, some of the feedback is, hey, I'm paying for this personally, let me do this by a month. So I've tried to make it flexible in terms of the actual monetization model. That's not to say it, it will never change. I don't know if it will change, but there are a lot of indicators leading back to that fact that I didn't wanna keep chasing founders down for money but I wanted to monetize it to a degree where I could be profitable on, on building these courses. But mostly what I want to do is build enough value in each program that makes founders want to stick around and, and really experience this for multiple years. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes perfect sense. Um, and I'm a subscriber as well. So thank you. <laughs> really appreciate it. 
um, um, that's great. What, 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 what are we, what are we looking forward to over the next 12 months? What, are, what have you got in store that hasn't been announced? Uh, so yeah, this is going to be, um, it's going to be fun. So what, what I've been trying to build out is a weekly cadence of, um, what will amount to guest speakers and workshops and, um, what Jason and launch would call, uh, jam sessions. So weekly sessions that are drop in for any members to come in and learn about different topics that are happening in the product growth, marketing, branding, design, messaging space. Um, and so in terms of things coming up in March, um, we've got events on community management. Um, we've got, um, a, a hot seat, uh, session where, um, where a marketer's coming in and is going to basically just look at what people have done and, and put them on the spot and ask tough questions. Um, we've got, uh, workshops around customer discovery and, and all sorts of stuff that are kind of in these drop-in sessions. So the goal of that is really around getting a cadence of events for this community that folks can drop into. We don't expect everybody to attend everything. We'll record them and, and produce it. And that will, that will help us from two ways. One, bridge the gap between programs and two, give us a ton of evergreen content actually that future members can can consume on demand as they want to over time. And so it's almost like a podcast in that way where you can actually go back. You don't have to just listen to this episode. You can go back and, and listen to all the other amazing founders and, and folks that you've had on the program. On the program side, so I'd say the programs right now are our bread and butter. Um, I've got the Mastering Growth Program, which is a six week kind of more general holistic view of growth. Um, I, I've got the zero to one program starting in April, which is geared towards that much earlier stage. And I'm actually building an advanced growth strategy program where with the mastering growth course, what, what ends up happening is we spend one week on core topics at a time. So we spend a week on financial modeling and building a growth model. We spend a week on customer acquisition. We spend a week on activation and retention and experimentation. The advanced course actually will take segments of that and, and just the whole program will be about a vertical. So you're seeing this with some of the paid acquisition programs that we're running now. So we, we're midway through a, a paid Facebook program. In April, we're starting how to do customer acquisition leveraging Google. So tactical deep dive over six weeks, actually seven weeks, around how to become amazing at doing Google. So SEM um, and, and all of the tactics and campaign strategies that come with that. And then we're starting to roll out these more advanced courses that are going to go deep. So product-led growth and activation is, I haven't put a date on it yet, but it's likely a May or June timeframe. We're going to do a branding and messaging program for startups because the other thing that we've realized is that startups get to a certain point and they go through this rebranding exercise almost universally, like almost every single startup that I've ever worked with does it. So we actually have a program advisor who's going to be running a program there. We're going to do a deep dive on partnership marketing just to go deep into kind of exploring alternative channels. And then we're going to keep going deeper into things like retention, retention modeling, um, and more. And some of the filler material will be things like um, pre-recorded courses. We've got an Instagram um, course that actually uh, has been has been developed by Jen Bryan, who's leading up a lot of our training, and she's just a mastermind marketer. So we have some of that that's going to be on demand as well as cohort-based programs. Um, and then the rest of the calendar kind of through uh, early 2022 is still being worked on. Okay, 
Great. I had, <clears throat> I had a question pop up in my mind and it disappeared, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> um, great. Well, do you have any, any last thoughts? I, you know, I think that, um, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, just kind of reflecting on the last year, you know, as we're coming out of, hopefully coming out of COVID um, and the, you know, the world opens back up. Um, I think that the, the intersection of kind of community and learning um, and, and in-person events, like it's all going to start to swirl. Um, and I'm, I'm going to track that really closely. You know, I could see situations where we may do some, um, you know, some more synchronous stuff, perhaps in, in various locations. Um, we're toying with actually putting on um, like a virtual conference uh, at some point for, for growth marketing. That'll be kind of interesting. But I'm just really excited about what's upcoming, um, both in terms of this program and then just in the world in general, where I think you've seen a lot of folks pull back on spend. You've seen a lot of businesses really struggle. Um, you've seen a lot of small and medium-sized you know, businesses and local shops and stores and restaurants go out of business. And, and it's really been heartbreaking to see that. I mean, all of us have been personally affected by that. Coming out of that, though, I think we're going to really see a renaissance in terms of this emergence of no code, getting easier to build websites and apps and products. And, and what, what comes after that? Everybody's going to need marketing and growth skills. And, and I think the industry is just going to continue to blossom. Um, there's a lot of privacy regulations happening. So things are just going to constantly shift and, and kind of as an entrepreneur, um, again, starting from the technical moving into product and, and now into the marketing side of things, I, like I think it's a really, really exciting time to be running a startup and, and to be doing this stuff. So yeah, what about you? What are you excited? What are you excited about or uh, or concerned about for the next year? Oh, for the next year? Um, I mean, I'm excited about just getting out and seeing people again. Um, you know, kind of the physical touch, like, you know, being in the same room as people. Um, I think that's what I'm most excited about. And I, and I think there's been, you know, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of ideas lost because people haven't been able to get together and, yeah. you know, have a drink together and just banter back and forth. Um, and, and I've seen that multiple times. And so I, so I think, I think that's really going to explode to the upside, just the amount of ideas and just energy, you know, the amount of energy is just going to skyrocket, yeah. I think, because, you know, I, I like working from home, um, but I like being in an office with people as well. Um, and I, 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 li I like the hybrid and just the energy you get from being in meetings and being around people is, is contagious. And I think yeah. we're gonna we're gonna see that again. And you know, and I think with the with with that contagiousness, there's also gonna be the okay, let's do it. You know, let's put some money to work here and let's grow. And you're gonna see everything kind of kick back into gear. And um, you know, it's been it's definitely been a grind the last yeah, year. It has. Um, you know, and I think people will be happy for for a little relief from that. Yeah. Well, we'll um, next time I'm in San Francisco, let's uh, let's get together. Post COVID, yep. it'll be awesome. Sounds good. Um, so, so how how can people reach you? Yeah, I'm just uh, Craig at GrowthUniversity.io. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Zingerline. You can go to GrowthUniversity.io um, or find me on LinkedIn. I'm the only Craig Zingerline out there. Not a very common name. So, um, I'd love to connect. And uh, yeah, if you've got any growth challenges, just reach out. I like I said, I do a lot of mentorship and um, uh, and always happy to hop on with a founder who needs a little bit of help. Okay. Perfect.
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Great interview. Thanks so much for having <laughs> me today. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Craig.